podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Post Match Raw. I am not Trev Downey. He is on holiday. Deserved holiday. He's over in Copenhagen. Not speaking to Jan Mulby. <laughs> but we have a win to talk about. And I'm counting this as my record. So I will only do this Premier League game and no more. But I am joined by the scouted lads. How are you doing, Carl? I'm not too bad, thank you. How are you? I'm good, I'm relieved after that, but I'm sure we'll get into the reasons why we were relieved, rather than um, very, very happy, which can be a bit of both. Uh, but we're also joined by Dave. How are you doing, Dave? I'm good, I'm good, like you, relieved, confused a little bit by what I've just witnessed. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, three points is three points, and that's all that really matters. Yeah, I'll stick with you, Dave. I mean, usually we do the lineups and stuff like that, but I think Liverpool went as expected and... Newcastle with the injury issues there kind of went as expected as well, so no real reason to talk about them. But I, let's talk about pre-game because obviously this week's been bigged up after the Everton game. How this is almost like a season, potentially season-saving week for us. Obviously, we got Real Madrid uh, in the middle of the week, but this Newcastle game, it's a chance to catch up to them because they seem to be the team that could potentially drop out the top four. I mean, beforehand, were you feeling nerves because? I think people may have thought the Everton game may have relieved some of the tenseness coming in the Liverpool games, but it certainly didn't for me. No, it didn't for me either because Everton are garbage, so I didn't really take a whole lot from that game at all. Um, but in this one, like I saw a Newcastle fan describe it really well during the week because everybody had been saying, "Oh, if Liverpool win, they're three point, or they're six points behind with a game in hand." If they win that game in hand, things will start to get really tight and could Newcastle bottle it? And Newcastle fans were pointing out the other way. Well, if we win, we're 12 points clear so they can have their game in hand. So this really was an important game for us, more so than for them because they've got a little bit of breathing room. And thankfully, we were able to go and take care of business. Though I, I do think they... They kind of aided us in said doing of business with some of the decision making of some of their players early in the game. Yeah, it certainly was a frantic start to the game as well, Carl. And I'll, I'll start with you for the actual start of the game. And it, it's a weird one because we seem to be a bit sloppy on the ball, whereas they're kind of controlling the the game but I think we have the first chance really and I think and this may be a story to come back to is Nick Pope swept out and I think it was Darwin and I believe everyone at the same time must have thought Nick Pope can sweep now um proven he can't <laughs> but at the same time it was a very frantic start to the game where it was a bit end-to-end but Newcastle seemed to gain control before our goal yeah, I think what we saw here was a little bit like uh, Liverpool trying to play like the bigger team or the you know the better team in the league, and Newcastle actually playing like the bigger and better team in the league because you know that's where they are and that's where they've been all season. That's how they played. So it was a really interesting start from um, from the perspective, let's say, of who was going to try and have control and who was going to try and impose themselves on the match. And I think what actually it led to was like quite a lot of open spaces in the middle. Uh, which is not something that helps Liverpool in the slightest. This season, we've contributed to that a lot ourselves. But today, I think it was at the start of the game, at least, I think it was like a little bit more circumstantial of, of trying to impose ourselves on Newcastle. But like you say, I think they were a bit more cohesive, a little bit more impressive at making the most of the spaces that they had. They also had one or two players who were individually let's say very very impactful in that first period of the time uh, first period of the game 
And uh, well, you mentioned it before we came on air. As long as we've got Alison, things might be all right. And by God, was that the case today? Yes, we will certainly mention. Well, <laughs> the next, my next note is Alison making a save. Um, I think it's a the first one is a good read by Alison where he intercepts a ball rather than saves it. Then I think Basatich gets caught on the ball, and then Dave Almiron seemingly turned invisible because nobody was marking him after he was injured and walking back, and then got a free free shot on goal. Yeah, it was strange. Like our our midfield just all seemed to abandon ship. Um, our right-sided midfielder was overpressing their right-side centre-back, and when the ball was very easily played round him, we had no shape at all, and they were able to take advantage and and build that way. And it, thankfully, thankfully, Allison is as good as he is because if he wasn't, they're one up, and from there you really do start to fear the worst with how we've been playing, but. You know, there's a reason we, we view him as the best goalkeeper in the world and we all load him so frequently on these podcasts for how good he is. Like, there's there's just no doubt for me he is the, the best goalkeeper in the world and he proved it yet again in that situation. Well, on that, Dave, I think in coming into this game, you mentioned um, Bruno Gimaresh as probably your player of the year so far in terms of the entire Premier League. Is it just the fact that he's a keeper that Allison's not in there? Is it just the fact the rest of the team's dragged him down to a certain level of not being in the big picture in terms of the Premier League? But without him, I mean, we generally would be where Wolves are. Yeah, we. It, it's because of him that we're we are still in with a chance of uh, top four football this year. Because everybody else, <clears throat> to a man, has been disappointing either for the entire season or for a significant chunk of the season. We've had some injuries in that as well, but everybody has injuries. Everybody's had injuries, not as many as us, but everybody's had injuries. It is basically the fact that we're eighth, after, even after back-to-back wins, we're still only eighth in the league, that Alisson's not going to be in that conversation. And that's an unfortunate thing for him, but you're just not going to get in those type of discussions when your team sits in eighth no matter who you are and what you're doing. Unless you're Scott um, Parker. Unless you're, yeah, unless you're Scott <laughs> Parker and you've got, you know, um, all the Brexiteers voting for you. Yeah, they crop up every, what about once every 10 years, the Brexit vote, vote among Carl's colleagues in the, uh, in the, the media come together and, and vote uh, a mediocre midfielder as footballer of the year. And, um, it just won't happen for Ali, unfortunately. And Carl, why will you be voting Declan Rice as Player of the Year? Uh, I feel obligated to uh, live <laughs> up to the horrendous stereotypes being perpetuated by this podcast on a weekly basis. Ah, uh, that's unscouted. That's your own. That's your internal issue. I've got nothing to do with it. I just <laughs> press record and go away for a bit. Yeah, um, I, I, I probably won't be voting for him. Um, but I also probably won't be voting for Alisson. And I think that a big part of that is the fact that Liverpool are eight. Um, I think that that makes a difference. I don't think it necessarily has to be, you know, a title winner, but I do think that you have to be very good in a team, which is, um, either achieving exactly what it should if you're one of the best or overachieving preferably. Uh, that's just personal opinion, really. And Liverpool are very, very not overachieving. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. No, it is it is true, and I think maybe goalkeepers, well, they do have their own award in terms of clean sheets, but it may be nice to get... The road one for performances as well. Um, let's get back into the game then, but we will return to Ali throughout, unfortunately. Um, 
let's jump to the goal, Carl, because the first 10 minutes were a bit scrappy and a bit um, all over the place. Newcastle were in the ascendancy, but this was a nice reminder of the quality in this team because maybe, I think you worded it before we start recording, on the ball we were really good, off the ball we were not so good. Um, but on the ball, you see it here. I mean, that is the blueprint Trent pass. And Darwin, I think everyone may have took a breath knowing it was Darwin in front of goal. But I think that is what we want to see from Darwin is a nice, confident, basically just smash it somewhat composed finish. But it goes in. Then VAR tries to ruin it for half an hour with a handball call. But it, it, it's scrumptious by Liverpool. Yeah, I, I must be in the minority, to be honest, because I never really get that worried about when Darwin gets a, a chance because he hits it so cleanly most of the time and he hits it so hard. I think it was on target. It's it's pretty much in his favour. I know he's had a few big chances where he's put it like right at the keeper like last week or you know a couple, a couple of times he's just not made that good connection and it's scuffed across the face of goal three times in a game. But basically, I, I think he's been fine. I think he's been much better than people give him credit for. And I think... The fact that he contributes so much off the ball and so much in our build-up play as well, um, that probably means I've sort of overlooked a little bit of, of how many big chances he's missed, certainly. But m- more often than not, I'm pretty confident when he's in that sort of area, he's going to have a very, very good chance of scoring a goal. Even at this point, there's still not many forwards in the Premier League who across all competitions have outscored him this season. So... I'm all right with it. And I was pretty sure he was going to score that. I wasn't expecting 100% that he would batter it so hard that if there wasn't a net, he'd probably knock somebody out behind the goal. But that's fine as well. I don't mind him doing that. And uh, I, I, I also didn't think that it was handball in the slightest. I saw it hit his chest. I saw uh, Trippier stop and put his hand up. And to be honest, I think that that was more about Trippier realising that it was his runner who would... Um, managed to get in behind him obviously and trying to cover up his own mistake by the, by doing that instead of actually defending the situation yeah Dave it was strange wasn't it I mean I think it was Shard the, the centre back with him and they just seemed to completely ignore Darwin it was very strange defending from them but it was a nice little reminder what we can do going forward yeah I mean it, it is a, a, it's a great pass by Trent it's a great first touch very good second touch, and then the composure is there, and like you say, just blathers it past uh, past Nick Pope, makes great contact on the ball, and you could have put two Nick Popes there; they weren't saving it. It was it was really really good, and like I think Carl's right. I, I think I think Trippier throws his arm up to protest more in hope than expectation. He knows he's lost his runner, and I think Shar thinks Trippier will take care of it, and Trippier probably thinks Shar will take care of it, and. In the end, there's too big of a gap and Darwin takes advantage of it. And it's one of the benefits, I suppose, of playing Darwin wide on the left is that when Gakpo drops out, he has the pace and the desire to get into those central areas. And it is a reminder, like you said, of what we can do in the ball. And it would be nice if we reminded ourselves a bit more often of what we're capable of on the ball. Yeah. Dave, I'll stick with you. I mean, you've... Well, I listen to all the two footage because I'm there in the background. You've obviously... Um, been very surprised and been very uh, high, highly praised of, of um, Eddie Howe's defensive record this season but playing a high line against us I mean obviously it's somewhat worth it well, somewhat it has really worked for them this season with the defensive record being as good as it is but it this seemed to remind me of his Bournemouth teams where they play really high we'd have the pace behind it just seemed it just seemed like an odd tactical approach. Maybe he just thought they're the better team and they'll deal with, with our forwards. Yeah, I, I think so. I think he thought, you know, we're, we're the better team and we're at home, so we're not going to change our approach. They've played a higher line than us on average this season. So, mm. you know, and, and it's worked for them. I mean, they they went into this game fourth in the league. They'd only lost once all season. And that, obviously, that was to us. So... I don't think they had any fear going in and, you know, we, you, you can't really criticize them for not changing their approach at home in a game against the team that they're having a much better season than, but it does leave them open to situations like that. Um, they've obviously got Nick Pope sweeping quite a bit this season. 
not something he's hugely comfortable with, but something he's done fairly well uh, up until today. Hmm. But the thing with that high line as well is, I mean, Shar has has a decent bit of pace, but you wouldn't look at Trippier or Burn and say that they're rapid fullbacks who can cover across. Burn is long and leggy and can cover ground fairly quick because he's six foot seven. But you know, none of them are quick in that back line other than Shar, who's I think thirty two and starting to slow a little bit, even though he's having a brilliant season. I think for them, the purpose of their high line is to enable them to press, similar to us a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. And Gamerish is so key to that because oftentimes, you know, when a team tries to play through a press, there's that first initial pass and then maybe the secondary ball over the top. And Gamerish is so good at being in position to kind of snuff out that first ball and get a turnover and get them playing again high up pitch, similar to what Fabinho used to do for us. And without him there today, they just didn't have that same sort of force in midfield, that same sort of aggression. And uh, thankfully, we were able to take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah, we really were. And you saw the pace of Salah and Darwin, especially in Gakpo, picked up some some nice spots. But that leads me on to the next goal, Cal. I mean, there was a couple of things between that. I think there was another lovely Trent pass and Newcastle had a chance, but we did score um, six minutes later after the first one. And... I think this one starts from Basetic, Carl, if I remember correctly, with his lovely little turn. Um, it was a beauty. Mm, it was fantastic. And then, obviously, more with just a lovely dinked pass over. I think it was Shah who tried to play offside. And Gakpo just beats Nick Pope to it. A nice, cool little finish. Yeah, this is um, one of the best attacking moves we've put together in quite a while, to be honest. Maybe the best in 2023 so far, certainly because it ended up in a goal anyway. Um, like you say, that that turn was very, very nice to see. It was quite uh, Tiago-ish in terms of being in the centre of the park, but actually there's movement of it coming around the ball on the outside and leaving the uh, defending player to go sort of the wrong way, the long way around the ball, reminded me quite a lot of what Suarez used to do when he used to sort of run past the ball and then turn the opposite way to where you'd expect him to. Um, it was very, very nice to watch, very, very smooth, picked the right pass at the end of it. I mean, Bastic is probably not someone we'll talk about throughout the podcast as much as we have done in previous weeks, which is, mm-hmm. A, a good thing, because, you know, don't need the teenager to be the, the main talking point every single week. Thanks, Liverpool. But also, because I think he played quite a smart game for a lot of the time uh, on the ball, he was he was quite economical with it. He was um, you know, a fairly routine person. He wasn't trying big switches all the time because there was better movement ahead of him. He didn't need to all the time. He wasn't over overdoing it when a simple pass would do perfectly well in all that space so I think that that was quite good from him and that moment for that build up in the goal was was a, a good example of that um Salah's touch was you know, very 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 nice weight on the ball really nice angle but again same as usual is the movement off the ball that makes a goal not just uh Bastic to start with not just Gakpo's run as well but you know a couple of players around them who maybe didn't even touch the ball but created the spaces for the pass through the middle. Was it Fabinho you said as well, put it in towards? Uh, towards I think so. I think it was, yeah. Um, it, it was a very, very nicely timed goal, but the movement and the anticipation that the next pass was going to come, that's something that's been missing in recent weeks. Yeah, Dave, and I think one of the things that jumped out of me straight away was Salah in a central area for a goal as well, not hugging the linesman. I think you can see when he's played in narrower positions, what he can do. Yeah, and we saw him a bunch of times today, pick up central positions, pick up deep positions. He was over on the left a couple of times in the first half as well, getting involved in the build-up play, and it does make such a difference. And, you know, I was talking to Brundish on Twitter recently about, you know, the next iteration of this front line, what might be the starting three, and I think Salah... Uh, Darwin and Diaz is the likely starting three if it's a three if it goes to a 4-2-3-1 I think Gakpo fits as the 10 but he was asking you know who's the creator in that who's the link and the the creator is Mo the creator in that three is Mo and we may end up that over the next two and a half years that Mo has left on his contract we see a significant drop off in the number of goals that Mo scores Mo scores from let's say, 30 a season to 15 a season, but we see the assists rise from 8 to 10 to 20 a season. 
because he's got that level of of creative brilliance about his game, and that pass is just sensational. Like it's a blind pass. Doesn't doesn't look, doesn't need to look. Just knows who's around him, sees the run of Gakpo. Ball comes in from Fab, and just clips it through the defense, perfectly weighted. It's an absolute dream of a pass, and it's a dream of a six-minute sequence for Liverpool as well, because as you said, Newcastle had been kind of in the ascendancy when we get the first goal, but then we're able to strike quickly and get that second goal before they can get the, really get their feet under them. And that then knocks them again, which obviously leads to the red card, because they're just not able to find their groove, because every time they seem to get a bit of a, of a, of a headwind or a bit of a, a tailwind behind them, we knock them down. And by the time they get back up, we're knocking them down again. So this was really good. And it was great to see Gakpo get another goal. Um, good touch. Uses his, his length well to stretch out and finish past Pope. And who would have thought, you know, Darwin and Gakpo, uh, these two flops that, that we're told are complete flops, scoring goals against the best defensive team in the league this year. And, you know, for Darwin, it's, it's 11 goals and four assists now in less than 1,700 minutes, of which 400 or so have come playing out on the wing. I think five, maybe 500 have come playing out in the wing. So, you know, he, I think Carl's right. I think he's having a very good season. I, I think people have ridiculously high expectations because of the fee. I think people have ridiculously high and unfair expectations on Gakpo because we all know that money should really have been spent on a midfielder. And now, because Gakpo's been brought in, because there's that comment from Linders in some conversation about him being the missing link, because people have looked at the raw numbers of goals and assists at PSV and thought, well, this guy should hit the ground running straight away. There's no allowance for him to settle in. There's no allowance for the fact that he walked into a team that was playing dreadfully. And now as the team starts to improve around him, you're starting to see a bit more of, of him and what he can bring. Yeah, and to be fair, I think Linda said the missing link for the national team as well, didn't he? So it's a, it's a bit of a strange situation with him. But no, I mean, I'll stick with you, Dave. I mean, you mentioned obviously Darwin exploiting the space when when um, Cody drops it. I mean, do you, do you see that progressing? Obviously, the performances are improving, but do you think it you can... I think you could always see the the plan and the sense behind um, Darwin on the left and Gakpo as the as the nine. But do, do you see it becoming more um, settled? Yeah, I think they're starting to get a bit more a bit more timing in that you know they, they've got more awareness of of when to move, when one should drop off and the other should go forward, when they should switch positions. And we saw that during the game. Darwin would sometimes take up central positions and Cody drop out to the left. And I think they're also starting to get that little bit of symmetry with Mo and Mo is starting to have more of an understanding of what these players around him are are capable of doing and how he can both benefit from their movement and their talents and also contribute to their movement and aid and, you know, lift their talent up. So, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's working. I think obviously when Diaz comes back, there's going to be a big decision to make. Um, he, he won't go straight back in having missed what will be five or six months at that point. But, you know, once we have a full complement again, I think things start to get really interesting and Jurgen's going to have some big decisions to make. Yeah, and we saw the we saw the other forward options come on later on as well. Um, so it'll be a, a good, a good problem to have. Um, Carl, coming back to you, um, we get Fabinho gets a yellow in this time. Um, we probably revert back to that because he forgot how to tackle after that or refused to tackle after that. But a minute after the yellow card, Carl, I mean, I mentioned the shock of seeing Nick Pope sweeping. This might be why. <laughs> he tried to diving header a ball about 40 yards out uh, and then screwed it up and then just panically picked up the ball, basically. <laughs> Nicely summed up. Yeah, yes. I think panic is the right word, to be honest. It's Salah running through. You've got to get it perfect. And as soon as you make a misjudgment, it is instinctive, isn't it? It's panic. And <clears throat> I I don't really know what he meant, but uh, I, I had Martin Tyler as my as my commentator. And uh, he said, even if uh, this is after the red card has been shown, he said, 
you understand what Nick Pope is doing, because even if he hadn't have handled the ball, he still would have been sent off. And I'm thinking, well, eh? no, no, he, <laughs> he got sent off because he handled the ball. So I, I assume what he means was, because after Pope went for the header, he sort of, the ball bounced across his arm first, and then he put his hands up, if you know what I mean, to like stop it bouncing away. So he'd already handled it from his arm, but then he stopped the ball moving. So I was wondering if he was saying, like, if it had just gone across his arms, it still would have been handball, and maybe that would stop the goal scorer an opportunity, but it didn't make any sense whatsoever. So I think the panic extended off the pitch and into the gantry for people to try and make excuses as to why Liverpool were suddenly in a comfortable position when... Well, J- Jamie Redknapp said it shouldn't be a red card at half-time as well. I was like, he picked, yeah. up, he picked up the ball! I'm sorry, I... I do this every single game. I, I mute as soon as the halftime whistle. Oh, no. I saw Rafa and got excited and then Jamie Redknapp started talking. No, 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 no. no. We'll, we'll, we'll have none of that nonsense, thank you. Um, I mean, there's nothing else to say. It was a, a very, very silly decision. Um, spare of the moment thing. It wasn't even a decision, let's be honest. It was just, like I say, instinctive. And I can understand a few people like, you know, suddenly now coming out and saying, I've had the conversations with myself during the match, like, um, now he's going to be suspended for the cup final, of course, and it's, you know, should it really count across the different competitions and all that? And there's definitely probably a discussion to be had there, but what I will say is um, teams do not have this complaint when it's early January and their defensive midfielder picks up a last-minute booking in the league and misses a third-round away trip to Rochdale in the FA Cup. They don't mind that suspension carrying over there, so I'm, I'm not that inclined to feel sorry for Nick Pope even though obviously that's a, a big concern for Newcastle and Dave whilst we're on Newcastle we get to see Carrius in a cup final next week yeah that's the thing I don't I don't really know who they're going to start they've got young Gillespie um, but I, I don't know much of anything about him. Well, no, he's not young, to be fair. He is 30. I was going to say, he's, he's not young. <laughs> but he's never played for them, has he? He's been no. there since he was a kid, and I don't think he's ever... No, that's not him who's been there as a kid. He only joined them a year or two back. Oh, did he? Yeah. Is yeah, he not was. there as an academy there, kid there was as a, well, though? There was a Gillespie goalkeeper who was a youth player, but he left a while ago. This is a different one, I think. Unless you came back. Yeah, yeah he could have been there like as a, a non-playing youth player, mm-hmm. but he, he came through elsewhere, like... Okay, we are both correct. He was there from the age of 8 to 16, got released, went to Carlisle, spent nine years at Carlisle, played for Walsall, played for Motherwell, joined Newcastle again as a 28-year-old and hasn't played. in. He played three games in three years. All of them were in his first season. All of them were in the League Cup. Um, I assume he's there to help their quota. But, I mean, Lois Carrius is, is a better goalkeeper than him. And he probably is the pick to go in the final. The, the issue is, Carrius hasn't played a game in about two years now. He hasn't played for Newcastle. He didn't play last season. was his season. last loan? Union Berlin. That was the 2021 he, season. Wasn't he sub-keeper for Union as well? Yeah, he played Union. five games in the season, I think. So I, I think the the choice is simply going to be who is in the better headspace across the course of the next week. That's it. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, because obviously Dubravka being uh, cup tied, which is fucking stupid, by the way. It's absolutely stupid. You should cup ties. Cup tying shouldn't count if you go out on loan and play for somebody. Um, but I I like Carl have no sympathy for Nick Pope, but I I do admire what he did because I think he. He sacrificed himself, basically, because his option was to lift his arm away. And Salah takes the ball and runs it into an empty net, and it's 3-0. And it's game over at 3-0. But he might have thought, look, 2-0, these lads can come back and get something here. These lads are good enough. I'll, I'll you know, I'll take one for the team here. <clears throat> it's just, it's just unfortunate timing, but I don't have any sympathy for him that he'll miss a, that he'll miss a, a cup final. Like, such is life. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. 
and we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, and it's a weird one to bring this up now, but I'll stick with you doing. Nick Pope's obviously, I think you, you'd probably agree with me that you, I think he's the best English keeper. We are seeing development from him, from him this season with the sweeping, with the extra adage of trying to play out from the back and stuff like that. And it is good to see because he, is, he isn't exactly young, is he? So it's it's nice to see him developing later mm. on and trying these new stuff. I mean, today won't help with the red card, but if it wasn't Southgate who only picks John Pickford, it's nice to see him develop what should be England's number one for me anyway. Yeah, I, I do agree. And the funny thing is, like, I remember when Nick Pope was at Charlton and he was a bit a bit of a sweeper keeper. Now, that, I wouldn't get too carried away with it, but he did play that kind of edge of his penalty area and, you know, come out and just hoof things if they landed in front of him. And obviously he goes to Burnley and you're not allowed to leave your six-yard box when you're the Burnley goalkeeper. Um, but it is nice to see him embrace this with... Eddie Howe and with Newcastle, and I'm sure it's a massive relief for him to have a season where he's not battling relegation and where he's not standing watching some of the most dour football that English football has ever seen. Not that Newcastle are an overly exciting team, but at least, at least they're, they're purposeful. They're aggressive. They're going to try and win games. They're not trying to avoid defeat. And uh, I think he's had an excellent season today, just unfortunately wasn't his day. Yeah, yeah, I think he's probably been top three keeper in the league, I'd say. Top two. Him and Alisson would probably say. Um, but we'll get back into the game. Um, I think the resulting free kick leads to a chance for Gakpo. Maybe could have done better, but it was a decent save by Dubravka. And then, Carl, this is where the game goes mental because Alan San Maximum tries to take on eight people every time he touches the ball and nearly works every time. Yes, uh, I mean, from this point onwards, basically, I think Liverpool tried to do the right thing, but I don't think we tried to do it in the right way, if I can sort of make that differentiation. Um, moving the ball around and making Newcastle run after it when you're down to 10 men is the right thing to do for, for the team with the, the superior numbers, obviously. But one, we were a little bit slow when we moved it. And two, the whole point of doing that is to move the other team around. And for quite a lot of it, all we were doing was going from right back to centre back to centre back to left back and then all the way back across again. And it's when you make that next pass that you have to be a little bit better than we were today. When it's the ball going into the either the number eights or the, the forwards who are dropping deep, something like that. It's the, the pass to the free person, which has to go basically between the first defensive line because they drop off so much. And we weren't very good at that today. I actually put the blame for that on the people who were meant to be receiving the pass rather than the ones making the pass, to be honest. Um, I don't think Henderson and Bastich did enough to make themselves free. They should be the ones really, really working hard to make the spaces either for themselves or for one of the forwards dropping in. And I don't think that they did that enough. Um, and as a result, that's why St. Maximan was able to be so effective because we weren't losing the ball very, very high upfield. We were losing it in midfield. We were losing it on that first mm-hmm. pass, trying to go through from the back four into the next people receiving possession. And to go from there to some maximum, there's only one pass really for Newcastle. And he's up against what usually what three defenders, something like that. It's really difficult to stop him. So I think we did maybe as well as could be expected, apart from maybe one or two individual challenges we lost. But the, the, the bigger point there, I think for me, is like I say, not not really doing enough to make them lose their shape, make space for us until much, much later in the game, obviously, and um, then causing our own problems almost. Did you see in the first first half where Gomez had the ball 
and Henderson sort of ambled towards him and he had one of the Newcastle midfielders right behind him. So Gomez sort of looked at him and then played it to Virgil because if he'd given it to Henderson, all Henderson was going to do was give it back to him. So he just took that out of the equation and gave it to, to Virgil. And Henderson had a right go at him about it for no real reason at all. Like, he wasn't in a good position to receive the ball. He was flat to him, completely facing his own goal with a man right behind him, not making a real effort to create separation between himself and that man to, you know, to take the ball on or take it on the turn. And he just started screaming at him. I'm just like, you're not helping matters here. Make yourself available. Drop off a bit more, you know, go one way and then burst the other and look for the ball. Don't just amble on for a flat pass where you're going to give it straight back to him. That type of thing we saw too often, not just from him, as Carol mentioned, uh, Basetic as well, a couple of times just ambling into space and then not making yourself properly available for the ball. Or if you are not having your body position right so that you can take it and have options, limiting yourself to oh, he's going to get the ball, he's going to give it there, which allows Newcastle to press up and then anticipate where that second ball is going. And as Carol said, they were just able to win the ball back in midfield. And all of a sudden, they're up against our back four who don't have any protection because the midfield has just lost the ball and taken themselves out of the game. Yeah, it wasn't. it was not a comfortable experience when we're against 10 men. Maybe Nathan Jones was right. Maybe playing against 10 men is a bastard. So Nathan Jones, get your job back at Southampton. You were right, mate. Um, where were we? So we, we've had a couple incidents. Darwin gets fouled. It was a clear foul. Didn't get anything given. Don't know why. Apart from being Anthony Taylor. But hey-ho. Um, we had a chance on the break. This was offside um, when Moore passed to Darwin, but Almoron got a yellow card. So... Yeah, whatever. Uh, then we got off, and from that free kick, I missed the free kick. I assume we just spunked it into the wall like we usually do. Was it the one Salah took? I presume so. It was yeah, the one. Yeah, off, yeah. into the wall. Yeah. Yes, of course it did. Yeah. <laughs> so so it, it, Henderson made a show of setting the ball up, and then stood the wrong side of it, so it was clear he wasn't going to take it. And Mo was pointing at where he wanted the ball played. And Newcastle knew exactly what we were going to do. And we wasted a good 60 seconds setting up this free kick for Henderson to roll it to Trent, who just stopped it. And Mo kind of, he didn't even stop it. He sort of knocked it back to Mo. And with no real force or, or backlift or anything, Mo just sort of half lumped it at the wall. Straight and away they went. That was it. Straight off the training ground, that one. Yeah. Certainly sounds like a Liverpool free kick, lads. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying we should buy James Ward-Prowse, but we should find a good version of James Ward-Prowse. So I've never been confident as of ever scoring a free kick, ever. You mean no. like Charlie Adam? Uh, well, I said good. Them corners alone. Them ten, corners ten alone. Mil. Ten mil, lads. Oh, dear. Um... Yeah, so that's basically the first... Oh, no, they hit the bar uh, towards the end of the half as well, which kind of... I mean, Dave, I'll come to you. Have we forgot how to defend set pieces? Yeah. 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 All season. Yeah. I I remember early early this season, I think it was Carl I asked, when was the last time we had conceded a goal from a set piece? And I think we, we landed on the Kai Havertz header. Mm. at Anfield back at the start of last season. And um, it just seems like this season, especially since the return from the World Cup, we're just all over the place. Now, at, at the t- at, at, originally we were blaming the fact that we were playing a very small midfield because we had Thiago, Naby and Besetic in there. You know, it was a small midfield. Um, and we have Mo, who's, you know, not the biggest, but there's just, and Harvey was playing left wing in some of the games. There's just no yeah. excuse for it though. When you've got Henderson, who's 6-1, you've got Fabinho, who's 6-1, Gomez is 6-2, Virgil is 6-4, like Darwin is 6-2, Gakpo 6-4. There's no excuse for this at all. We used to be 
incredibly dominant on set pieces at both ends. And now we're not really a threat in the opposition box on a set piece, and we're an absolute shambles in our own box. It It's weird, because obviously individual performance is one thing, but we've bought bigger lads up front. Is it just the fact that Mane and Bobby of yesteryear were just monsters in, their air, in the air for the size? Because Bobby always used to be one of the central uh, headers away, didn't he? It was him, Matip and Virgil, I think, wasn't it, out of the three? So it, is it just the fact that them two wanted it more than, say, Darwin mm. and Gakpo? Is it simply that? It just doesn't Gakpo really play, for a guy who's 6'4", Gakpo plays like a guy who's 5'8". He's not, he's not well, forceful enough with his, with Mane his size. Mane plays a 6'4". <laughs> and that's it. Mane's 5'8", 5'9", and played like he was 6'4". Ginny Wijnaldum, the same. Yeah. 5'9", but just had this explosive spring to them. I think Gakpo, I think it's coachable. I think, you know, you can, you can work him into his own body and, and make him stronger and make him more physically imposing and get him more confident with these things. But he does seem like quite a laid back character as well. But then Virgil's a very laid back character. And you look at the aggression with which he attacks set pieces. I think it can be worked into Gakpo, but it's going to take time. Yeah, very true. Um, we don't want to put any more aggression into Darwin. He's got he's got just about enough as it is. No, he'll end up like spin kicking people out of corners and stuff. Um, so that's basically the first half. Any anything I've missed from there that you want to touch on, or any individual performances from that half? I just want to note, let's say that even though I think a lot of the uh, teamwork defensively was not very good, individually I think there was some. Decent showings there. I think Gomez in the first half of recovery runs made a number of interceptions and a number of covering in behind people, uh, which is good after obviously playing well last time out. Um, Allison, we've, we've touched on again individually, very good. And Fabinho, I think yellow card aside, which was a bit of a mad slide tackle. I think he did put in a lot of good footings, let's say, making a little interception. Henderson did the same to be fair to him. Um, just little stopping them disruption sort of tackles. It wasn't good as a unit, as a, as a team. That needs to be a lot better. But the actual challenges we made, I think, were were fairly solid across the board there. Anything for you, Dave? No, I think Carol. I think Carol's nailed it. I think I think the defensively as individuals, there was some good performances. It was when they were required to defend as a team that there just seemed to be a complete disconnect. Well, on to that disconnect, the second half. <laughs> um, basically, my first note is we started off crap. Um, then we get the head injury for Longstaff because he just got the ball, ball booted in his face. And then we go back to the pattern of St. Maximin trying to skin everyone. Uh, 52 minutes, I've got the Isaac chance, which he blasts over. No clue where Gomez was going on that one. He just seemed to get sold for a dummy. But we certainly started the second half off really poorly for me, um, Dave. Yeah, yeah, really sluggish to begin the first half, which kind of goes against how we've been in the last couple of games. Even the games we got beaten in by Brighton and by Wolves, we started the second half that bit better. But it was just like we, I think we we kind of thought the game was was done and and won because we're two nil up and they're down to ten men. But they quickly reminded us that you know you fuck around, you might find out here and. As you said, Isaac had that that really good chance. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN. 
making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, and basically my next note after that is our head seemed to go. I think it was when Gomez just passed the ball behind Trent when it was very easy and it went out. And then um, Darwin has a chance, but Carly seemed to injure his shoulder, shoulder as well, which, albeit the performance, wasn't exactly perfect, but this is certainly the most worrying thing because we mentioned um, his unfair criticism at times. and He is a bit inconsistent, but he is effective. A shoulder injury can be a very long injury if it's a bad one. Yeah, I mean, first of all, the the injury itself was like just a minute beforehand, and I'm not really sure what happened in this entire phase of play, or at least how the referee saw it, because Darwin went charging down the left, Trippier comes across and makes what was a good tackle, and obviously they both go down to the floor, and they get a free kick for it somehow. I'm not really sure why this was a free kick, and I've watched it a few times, because that was when Darwin obviously first hurt himself, but it's just a normal slide tackle from Trippier, who wins the ball, they both end up on the ground. As far as I can see, there isn't a foul from anybody at all, and they got a free kick for it. So I don't really know why. Um, um, Anthony Taylor. Well, the, yes, that. I don't know the legitimate <laughs> reason why I should be saying. Oh, on that note, celebration time. <laughs> years in the making. <laughs> Lee Mason. Goodbye. Oh, yes. Oh, my He'll God. He'll be back. He'll be that man has lived on ineptitude for far too long, and I have absolutely no hesitation in saying that is maybe the most deserved sacking the Premier League has ever seen. Anyway, back to the match. Now that mini rant is over and done with. Um, Darwin hurt his shoulder there when he landed, I think, and then he obviously tried to carry on a bit. And then, yeah, when he cut in and had that shot, which again, I think he hit very nicely and made the angle for himself quite well. Um, good connection on the shot, more or less. Yeah, obviously must have been paining him because he's not really been one to, to shirk a challenge or to shirk the defensive work or any kind of physicality whatsoever. So it is a concern for sure. It's not just a concern because he's a big player for us, but because even though we've got a couple of players coming back now and we'll talk about them the longer we get into the game, sharpness-wise, we don't have anybody who can match Darwin in attack right now. Um, so I think with the upcoming matches in particular, that's that's the biggest concern uh, that I would say. Hopefully it's not like a, presumably it wasn't a dislocation or anything like that, but even if it's shoulder ligaments or anything like that, it could, like you say, be quite a while. Yeah, and it's not it's not great. And Carl, I'll stick with you for the subs, because we made four at the same time, which may summarise how our performance was going at the time. Obviously, um, Darwin was one of them with Bobby coming on, Elliot for Henderson, Gakpo went off for Jota, and Milner came on for Basetic. Um when I saw those lads coming on, I did have a sense of dread. But to be fair, I think they worked because I think Robbo was having a dreadful game, to be honest, at times. I think Milner came on and basically helped him at left back. That worked. Jota's very rusty, but we need to get him minutes. Henderson wasn't having the best game, whereas Elliot, I think, came on and tried really hard and helped defensively at times. And Bobby, again, almost we need to get the rust off him as well. Um, yeah, I mean, if we need to get the nost- the rust off Firmino, then I think what he is representing is one of those um, old steam trains, which has been in a disused garage for about the last 70 years, because that man looked like he was running through treacle for quite a lot of that, uh, mm. that performance. We'll get him on time. Too. And yet, he wasn't the worst of the subs. <laughs> the Jota's performance upon coming on. Right. Was remember Fabinho came on in a yeah. game recently and we all laughed at how appalling he was in his cameo. <laughs> this was that, but just for a longer period of time. But 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 Jota's was bad in terms of the actual, let's say, technical aspect. But I think he did good in terms of what he was trying to do, like the movement and the runs and the. He had a bit of acceleration to his game this time. No, he didn't. He did. Carl, he looked like he was playing in a Legends match. He looked like a fellow <laughs> who'd played in the 80s and put on a bit of timber. Master, masters football. Do you remember when we played exactly. a game? We played a game. We still had Suarez at the time. And we played a game where our front two was Suarez and Fowler. 
And you could see Suarez looking at Fowler throughout the game and thinking, why is this fat bastard not running? <laughs> and that's what it was like with Jota. It was like watching modern-day Robbie Fowler. This is like a Legends game. Just awful. I think it, I think it was a testimonial. Was that the one, that the one where Torres and Suarez played Yeah, together? it must have been. Yeah, I think it was like a testimonial or something or one of those <laughs> yeah Legends game against United. But there was just... I, I just I thought Jota was dreadful. I thought Milner was crap when he came on as well. Milner, Milner was terrible up until about the last five minutes when he then decided Slide, to, to just kick everybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he, like, he almost of... cost us a goal. Yeah, by just being so very very slow. But I do think he did give Robbo a bit more confidence yeah. to get forward. It's just unfortunate that every decision Andy Robertson makes in and around the penalty area these days is the wrong decision. Including not shooting when he had a pretty much mm. open goal to go for. What I, what I liked about that the most, and we'll come to it, Harvey, rather than actually going to get the ball, kind of half paused to have a tantrum at Robbo for not finishing, and then went chasing the ball afterwards. I don't think I'm going to ever complain about Robbo not shooting, but Jesus Christ, we'll get on to it. That was an awful decision. He probably would have missed anyway. Um, San Maximum does stuff again. By the, by the way, what 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 feed did you have? Did did you have Sky, or did you have one of your own? No, I had one of my own. I was watching the the US coverage. Ah, yeah, San Maximum got man of the match on Sky's feed. If that's news to you, um, that's, that's just obnoxious. <laughs> just gonna just bring that up. Man of the match, San Maximum doing more stuff, but no end product. Um. Joel into Ninja Dave. Obviously, uh, you'll be looking at the League Cup game for two-footed. Um, he wanted to play on, but we've seen in the past people try and play on with these hamstring injuries, and then it gets longer. So mm. probably a doubt for next week. So it might be him out and give a rush in. Yeah, potentially. And they've got Joe Willock to come back as well, which is a which is a big boost. But um, yeah, I think I think Eddie Howe was right to insist that he came off. I know players want to play, or most players want to play, but now when you've got an injury like that, you just have to take the player off for his own his own good uh, goodwill, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Newcastle made some subs in that time as well, with Murphy coming on for Trippier, um, Gordon coming on for Almiron, and uh, Callum Wilson coming on for Isaac as well. Just before um, some nice players. Play from us, and well, this is the moment, Carl. My next note is Robertson should be subbed off. Like, <laughs> um, I mean, again, it's good build up play, it's good overloading, it's good passing into the space of other people involved. Uh, Harvey Elliott with the last one, I think it was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's got to shoot from there. Even Robbo's horrendous strike rate has to be shooting from there. It's basically a straight the way you're running, hit it as hard as you can type of approach, but you know. Salah was trying to get himself a goal at that point. That probably plays into some of the other players' minds because he's such a big player for Liverpool and he, he hadn't happened to get on the score sheet that day. So understandable. But if it was 2-1, I'd be having a very, very stern word with our Scott. Yeah, so he would have been getting subbed off on Football Manager. I'm telling you that now. Um, where are we up to? Uh, my next note again is Alisson is just, Magic, and we we discussed him towards the start, and how definitely best keeper in the league. It's not well, certainly the world for me anyway. Um, I'm going to start it. Player of the year. Screw everyone else. Um, but you mentioned Bobby coming on there, Carl, and I'll, I'll come at you, Dave. Anyway, because came to Carl last there. Bobby, he just seemed so loose with the ball. Like I could, I can understand coming on because the pressing wasn't working too well, and this had helped. But on the ball. Bobby just looked lost at times. Yeah, yeah. And this is this is not just now. This is not just because he's just returned from injury. This has been Bobby for seasons upon seasons now. These type of performances where he just comes on and he's far too loose with things. He he'll beat a man and he'll look like he's you know right on it, and then he'll fall over his own feet and just gift the ball to somebody, or he'll just pick completely the wrong option, or you know, try some stupid flick that's not on. And this was just, this was just modern day Bobby in a nutshell. And this is why we shouldn't be giving him a contract extension because the Bobby that everybody loves is no longer there. This is a different Bobby. who will have the odd good game, 
or he'll have a run of games and then he'll just be really poor for an extended period. And he's more and more injury prone. And then when he comes back from injury, it takes him weeks and weeks and weeks to get back to fitness, like and back to form. And there's a reason we were calling him drunk Bobby for two years. And this was, this was full blown, been on the piss for a week, not slept up to his eyeballs with a bit of speed. Bobby, this was not good at all. This is absolute monster hangover, Bobby, at his best. Um, my next note is a big Milner fuck-off tackle. There was like four of them in a minute. Um, yeah, Carlton, just 80 bins onwards. There was numerous times they were basically 3v2 at, at the back for us. I mean, like I know you mentioned we needed to make them move, but that was about 30 minutes into the game. What the fuck were we doing defensively having so little people back just control the game and we kept taking stupid risks with the ball when we should have just kept tippy tappy on the ball about it was just really really dumb towards the end of the game from us yeah I don't know what that was if it's tiredness if it's a slight lack of concentration if it's a lack of um, like confidence on the ball let's say because we've been so horrible this year uh, obviously the subs are a little bit disruptive but even in terms of like Van Dyke coming back, good thing. Defence changed again, not such a good thing. Not for cohesion. Obviously, he's not going to be quite up to scratch in terms of his own uh, awareness and um, on a let's say fitness level as well for the full full ninety minutes. So he's another one who, who we need to get back up to match sharpness. Um, I think it was probably just a bit of everything to be honest, including the fact that quite frankly we're not that good. That, that's the bottom line here. You know, we're used to mm-hmm. seeing Liverpool be 90 minutes team week after week after week. We're not, we're not at that level anymore. And you have to remember not just the last three years, but the three years before that and the three years before that and the three years before that. You don't get Liverpool playing very well for the whole game. You got Liverpool playing well for maybe a half or maybe half an hour in one half or in both halves, but it's not a full 90 minute thing. And this is kind of where we are again at the minute. And you need to get yourself back there to be one of the best around. Uh, this isn't the season that that's going to happen. Just you know, forget any any thoughts of that. We've got to do is make sure that we're doing enough in enough parts of games to make sure we win enough of those. And obviously today we've got away with it a little bit because I think even in that spell there was another uh, set piece that we've gifted. I think it was Fabian Shah had that really good header. Should have been a goal to be honest. And uh, we've we've got a little bit fortunate today, even though we've made some of the fortune ourselves. Yeah, and to finish, Dave, I mean, your final thoughts on the game. I think the only thing rest left to know is Jota missing basically an open goal with his header and then the one way rounded the keeper. And I don't think I've ever been less confident in someone scoring on their weaker foot. <laughs> no, and, and the thing is, of the, he had three chances, those two you've mentioned, and then that that cross, I think it's from Gomez, and he stretches and contorts himself ah, yes, and gets yes. a header back across goal, which is by far the hardest. Is barely a chance at all. And that's the one he nearly scores with. Um, look, people, I know people are going to say that we're just moaning because we won 2-0 and why aren't you just happy? But we are, we're happy with the three points, but the performance is a concern because they missed two massive chances. The Almiron one and the um, Callum Wilson one because of Allison. Fabian Shar misses that big chance. Isak missed a big chance or with a good Dan, chance. Dan Byrne hit the bar. And Dan Byrne hit the bar. Like they could have scored five goals in this game with a, with a little bit of fortune and, and a less talented goalkeeper. They potentially score five goals. And yes, we had chances ourselves. On top of the goals we scored, you know, we had the the Robbo chance. We had the Jota chance. But that would have made it, what, 5-4 four, four to them or 5-5? Five, five. They had 10 men for 70 minutes. The XG, Dave, just whilst we're on this, 2.21 to them with 10 men for two-thirds of the game and 2.56 for us, just to summarise that. Yeah. Do you know, like, that's that's ridiculous. They had... They had 10 men for 70 minutes and we didn't make it look that way at all. We were far too loose. Like Carl said, you know, you make changes, you do lose a bit of cohesion, but you know, the midfield didn't function right at all today. The defense didn't look 
right as a unit. The attack is the only thing I would take a, a bit of heart mm-hmm. from today. This the starting three, but the substitutions like uh, Bobby was awful, Jota was awful. Milner just can't run. The guy can't move anymore. Like, did you see where he, he got the ball and he managed to work his way past somebody and he immediately looked for a pass and there wasn't one on, but there was about 10 yards of space in front of him and he runs into it and then he just fell over. He just fell over and the ball went behind him. Nobody actually made a tackle on him. He just fell over. There was a player in front of him and Milner fell at his feet and then he's completely out of the game. And like, it just, it, it's, it's a little bit concerning to me that they're the changes Klopp is making. You don't make four substitutions at once, not in any circumstance, unless you're losing 2-0 and you just want to have an absolute shit fit at the players. You don't make four substitutions at once. There was no reason he couldn't have brought on, say, Jota and Harvey or Jota and Milner and then 15 minutes later made the other two after the first two had acclimatized to the game like that's that's poor management um so yeah i mean i'm just a little bit nonplussed by the performance the win is great though especially against a team who hadn't lost at home all season a team that had only lost once before this season which also was to us do we have voodoo over newcastle we have something i agree yeah yes to lose 10 times in a row in the league to liverpool really Yes, Michael Reed apparently stats after the game. Uh during the the feed I was watching, apart from Lee Dixon noting that there is apparently a substantial difference in the height at one end of the pitch to the other. Lee Dixon is adamant there's a significant slope in that pitch, uh, which is why Newcastle like to have teams play left to right from the camera angle in the first half so that in the second half it's Newcastle who are playing with the hill as their advantage, um, which is just bizarre if that is the case. Um, but secondly, the commentator, I can't think of his name, made the point that everybody talked, talked before the Arsenal City game about how long it's been since Arsenal beat City. I think it's 13 games in a row now in the league where Arsenal have failed to beat City. And the last time Liverpool, uh, Newcastle beat Liverpool was a couple of weeks before that, uh, a Martin Skirtle own goal, giving them the victory. Of course it was. <laughs> of course it was. Yeah, no surprise at the goal scorer mm. in that one. Um, but look, yeah, three points is great. And that's the, the only thing that really does matter today is the three points. It's just, it would be nice to see us actually play like the team we're capable of being and, and see these players actually perform to the level that they have the talent to perform to. But we'll take the win. We move on to Madrid. We're, we're going to need to be better against Real because they will punish you if you give them the chances we gave Newcastle today. Newcastle are a team, bear in mind, that really are struggling to score goals of late. And for us to give them that many chances is, is pretty unforgivable. Uh, a better team in front of goal scores a couple of them. Like Toon, in their previous six games, had only scored three goals, and we easily could have gifted them three or four or five today. So we've we've got to tighten up. That starts with the back four, obviously, but the midfield is a massive part of it. And if the front three continue to click and and do what they're doing, then it's it's a, a big plus for us. Uh, anything to plug, Dave, before I move on to Carl? Uh, two-footed every day, daily red every day. Uh, there's a Money Talks recorded with Mo today talking about an idea I had for our ownership situation as well as the United situation. And I'm going to record Old School with Gags on Monday and I assume we'll do uh, a couple of scouts this week for, for Real and for... Palace. Crystal Palace, and then there'll be Raw, of course, after the Real game and the Palace game. And don't worry, people, Trev will be back, so I will not bore you into tears then. But, Carl, uh, your final thoughts on the game, and if you have any stats other than the one you said there, uh, please do, and also your plugs. 
Um, I don't really have too many other stats. I mean, I was looking through them. I don't think necessarily that too many of them are actually reflective of what we've just watched. But uh, we mentioned about the attacking certainly being a bit better. And I said before the show, it was this performance as a whole a bit reminiscent of earlier in the season uh, where the attack was quite good, but the defence was quite poor before we went full meltdown and everything was bad. Um, one piece of our play, I think, which does reflect that is the... Two fullbacks actually created seven shooting chances between them today. I think going forward, they both got into really good areas. We did see a couple of good crosses from both of them. Um, Trent obviously now starting to hopefully contribute assists on a more regular basis, which is good because A, it's him getting assists, and B, that means the ball ends up in the back of the net. Uh, obviously, in the league, that didn't happen for quite a long time this season. So I don't really think I'm going to add much more to that. This was an odd match. Um, you know, Diogo Jota had the most shots out of anybody at all um, on the pitch and he was only on the pitch for a little while and he was rubbish and none of them were on target obviously anyway so it was a very mix and match situation that I don't think individual statistics are going to be very very helpful to tell us about this was a step forward for Liverpool though we haven't won two in a row for too long we haven't kept too many clean sheets for too long um, it's probably a, a very important and good thing that we've got a couple of both of those things before playing Real Madrid. And I suspect we'll have to increase our performance level in the defensive third quite considerably to stay in the tie. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and as as I said earlier, Trev will be back. I think it's Tuesday. Yes, it is Tuesday. We play Real Madrid. Uh, that is at Anfield, so home leg first. Um, so, yeah, that's our next game. You lads will be doing a scouted. Uh, but yeah, that is the next Raw. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.